The Orioles made a trade, or at least technically they made a trade. More of a glorified waiver claim and for an old friend in Tyler Nevin. But we'll still talk about it. Plus, CNL Perez avoids arbitration and an Orioles pitching target signs elsewhere. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about a few Orioles news and notes from the past day or so. We'll talk about Tyler Nevin, who the Orioles reacquired in a small trade with the Detroit Tigers after sending him to Detroit just about one year ago. And then we'll chat about CNL Perez, who agreed on a contract figure with the Orioles for 2024 to avoid arbitration, and it has an interesting option on it for 2025. And finally, one of the Orioles' top pitching targets in the free agent market has signed a pretty cheap deal. Why do the O's not go after him? We'll get to that coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. So we'll jump into it with a roster move from the Orioles on Monday night, and that is our old friend Tyler Nevin is back in an Orioles uniform. O's acquiring Nevin from the Detroit Tigers in exchange for cash considerations. Technically a trade, it's more like a glorified waiver claim that they pick up Nevin on Monday night. Now, you may remember Tyler Nevin, who made his Major League debut with the Orioles in September of 2021 and then spent a good chunk of the 2022 season on the Orioles' active roster. But on January 1st of 2023, after the O's had DFA'd Nevin to make room on the 40-man roster, they sent him to the Tigers in a very similar deal for cash. And Detroit seemed like a better place for him to get a better chance to play. They were a much worse team. They needed more bats. And Detroit did give Nevin somewhat of a chance. He played in 41 games with the Tigers last year and in 111 plate appearances. It was very similar struggles at the plate. Hit just 200 with a 306 on base and a 316 slugging. 76 WRC plus for Tyler Nevin last year in Detroit. He was 24% worse than league average. Now, he still walked a lot. He still struck out a good amount, but he still walked a lot, which is kind of what Tyler Nevin does. But what Tyler Nevin has also done is just dominate AAA. And that is why he continued to get chances with the Tigers last year. I think he was sent up and down five different times because he would struggle in the big leagues. He would go to AAA and he would dominate AAA. Just shy of 400 plate appearances in AAA with the Tigers organization last year for Tyler Nevin. He hit 326, had a 15 home run output, and had a 136 WRC plus in AAA. I mean, the dude was raking, and the Tigers kept saying, This guy's swinging it well. Let's bring him back to the bigs. And every single time they bring him back to the bigs, he would struggle once again. And that's pretty much what the Orioles got out of him when he was in Baltimore. Now, Nevin was first acquired by the Orioles in 2020. He came over to the O's along with Taron Vavra and Michelle Desson in that 2020 deadline deal that sent Michael Givens over to the Colorado Rockies. And Nevin and Vavra were guys who the Orioles gave some chances over the next few years. He comes up at the end of the year in 2021, has a nice little September, and he was, it's hard to say a big part of the team in 2022 because he was not. 
but he was on the roster for a while. Like Tyler Nevin was a guy for like months at a time where he would start like eight games in like six weeks. He'd just be a defensive replacement, a pinch hitter, a guy that was mostly riding the pine on the major league roster. But Givens in Baltimore in 2022, last time he was here, 58 games played, just 184 played appearances. And again, the offense was just not there. A 197 average, a 299 on base, a 261 slugging, just a 69 WRC plus for Tyler Nevin. But very similar to what happened in Detroit this year in 2022 in AAA, he had almost 200 plate appearances and had a 130 WRC plus. Like he killed it in AAA. And then every time the Euros would give him a shot at the big leagues, it was just no bat. Now, the good side of Tyler Nevin is he's got incredible plate discipline. I mean, even when the Orioles brought him over in that 2020 trade and he became a prospect in their system, and he was always a, a top 30 prospect in the O system before he got to the big leagues, it was because the elite plate discipline. Like he had some of the best plate discipline behind Adley Rutschman in the entire system when he was in the minors. And he's shown that at every level. And quite frankly, he's shown it in the majors. Like he still had an 11% walk rate in the majors last year with Detroit. That's still well above league average. He was running 13, 14, 15% walk rates throughout the minors and in AAA and even in the big leagues with the Orioles. He could get on base via the walk. He had a good batter's eye. And he could hit with good exit velocities and good numbers in AAA. But when he gets to the big leagues, he just hasn't put it all together. He's had power in the minor leagues. The power has been... Zapped. I mean, he's only got a handful of big league home runs in the parts of three seasons he's been up at this level. The strikeouts go up, go way up when he gets to the major leagues. The power goes way down. The walks stay there, but that's about it. And the question is, can a team give Tyler Nevin, who's only you know, 20, I believe 26, 27 years old at this point, he's not like an over-the-hill veteran player, he's still in his prime years, can a team get him to do at the major league level what he does at AAA? And right now his profile is, is that of the typical quad A player. Quad A player is a guy who every time he's in AAA, he hits really well and shows, hey, this guy is too good to be in AAA. We got to give him a big league chance. And every time a team gives him a big league chance, he stumbles and has to go back to AAA and repeats the cycle of hitting well in AAA. Those players generally end up playing in Korea or in Japan or elsewhere for a couple of years and try to like rebuild their value and come back to the big leagues. And I honestly think if Nevin continues to do this, like his future is probably like a KBO or an NPB hitter. But right now, the Orioles know him, and they're still going to give him a chance. Now, with this trade happening, Nevin does take up a spot on the Orioles' 40-man roster. They had two open spots before the trade. This is now one. They're down to one spot, 39 guys on the 40-man. And although it was a trade announced as... This is a glorified waiver claim. Nevin was DFA'd by the Tigers last week, so he was on waivers. And essentially what you can do when a player is on waivers, you can try to put a claim in on him, which the Orioles probably did, but the O's are 29th on the waiver wire. The only team behind them is the Braves because their record in the regular season was so good in 2023. So you got to pass him through a lot of teams to get to the O's. But if you contact the Tigers and you say, hey, I will give you something for this player, well, then the Tigers can basically pull them off waivers and just make the trade with whatever team contacts them. And when the O's said, hey, whatever money you gave us for Nevin last winter, I'm sure they just said, we'll give it back to you if we can get him back. The Tigers said, let's make a deal. Now, here's what's going to happen. People freaking out saying, oh, the Orioles already have all these infielders. How can they bring in another infielder? They already DFA'd this guy a year ago because they didn't have space for him. Why are they bringing him back and giving him a roster spot? He's not going to have a 40-man roster spot for long. There's a chance within the week the Orioles put Tyler Nevin himself on waivers. And at worst, 
he will be DFA'd at some point between now and opening day. He's going to get a shot in big league spring training. They're going to give him a chance, right? He's going to be another body there. But there's just too many guys. There's just no chance. There'd have to be like a slew of injuries for Tyler Nevin to make the opening day roster for the Orioles. He is here to be depth and good depth in AAA. So what's going to happen here is at some point between now and opening day, the Orioles are going to DFA Tyler Nevin because he is now out of minor league options. Last year was his last option year, which means he cannot be sent down to AAA Norfolk without being placed on waivers. The Orioles probably have a good idea that nobody else in baseball is most likely going to try to claim him on waivers at this point. So their thought is going to be, okay, let's grab Nevin because we like him as depth to make sure we can get him. And then at some point later this offseason before opening day, the Orioles are going to place Nevin back on waivers. They're going to have a good idea that he will pass through waivers. And once he passes through every team, the Orioles can then stick him into AAA Norfolk and clear him off the 40-man roster to open up a spot. So it's either going to be as late as opening day, if the Orioles don't make any more moves, or hopefully when the O's start making some moves, maybe a trade, maybe bring in another arm, Nevin will be the first guy to go to get DFA'd to clear room on the roster. But the O's went and got him because they think they can clear him through waivers. They can get him into AAA. And then he's good depth down there because, again, he has dominated with the bat the last three years in AAA, whether it's in Norfolk or in Toledo with the Tigers organization. He plays third base. He plays first base. He plays right field. He plays left field. You can move him around the diamond, which is really good to have. And he's not spectacular at any of those positions, but he's solid at all four of those positions defensively, which allows you to give you know your infielders and your outfielders in AAA Norfolk a day off. And the other thing about it is the Orioles right now – don't really have like a true first baseman on the AAA Norfolk roster. Like, yes, Kobe Mayo will get some time at first base in Norfolk, but the O's want to continue to work him out at third. They want to continue to work him out in right field and probably even more than third and first to get him ready for the big leagues. Because when Kobe Mayo, if he gets to the big leagues this year, he's not playing first base. Ryan Mountcastle, Heston Kerstad, Ryan O'Hearn, Anthony Santander are all on that roster. If Mayo's going to get to the big leagues, it's going to be at third base or m most likely potentially in right field. So the O's aren't going to want to play Mayo a lot at first base. And with Lewin Diaz gone and Josh Lester gone and those guys finding other roles this offseason, you kind of wanted somebody at first base. And yeah, you can pull up a, you know, a T.T. Bowens or a Maxwell Costas from AA Bowie to play some of those innings. But Nevin's a guy you know. Nevin's a guy you know will hit in AAA. And Nevin's a guy you know if you have to absolutely in a pinch call him up, you can because he's been on your big league roster for a lot of days before that's what's happening here. He's AAA depth. It's a no-risk depth move. He's going to be off the 40-man. In no way is he blocking anyone's 40-man spot. In no way is he going to block playing time in AAA even from Kobe Mayo, from Joey Ortiz, from Jackson Holiday and Connor Norby and all these guys that are going to be in Norfolk. It's, again, it's a good depth move, and you always, always, always need more depth. And it's even better when you get a depth guy who you already know. You've already had in your system for multiple years. You already know what you can ask out of him. Seems like he's comfortable. The guys love him. I mean, he seems to be friendly with, I mean, good friends with a lot of the guys who are still in the system or in the big leagues. It's not hurting anyone else to bring in Tyler Nevin. It's a solid depth move to bring back a guy you know. And, and best case scenario... And my prediction is he does not play a game for the Baltimore Orioles in the big leagues this year. He spends the entire year in AAA and is there just in case. But that's how slow the offseason's been.
that was the big big move of the week so far by the Orioles is bringing back Tyler Nevin on a glorified waiver claim. But they also had a little bit of news coming out with CNL Perez. The Orioles came into Monday with five players who were likely headed towards arbitration for their 2024 salaries. But they did t- come to an agreement with Perez with a little bit of a twist on it as well. And we will talk about that coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. Now, I'm not the biggest car guy in the world, but eBay Motors, that's the place to go. Passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy. And it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. So with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. So we're back here on a Tuesday Orioles News and Notes episode. Talked about the Tyler Nevin trade back in an Oriole uniform. And now we get to CNL Perez, who we're pretty sure is going to be in an Oriole uniform for most, if not all, of the 2024 regular season. But Perez was one of the five players left the Orioles had not agreed on a contract with and seemed to be headed towards arbitration for what their 2024 salaries will be. Remember, these arbitration players, getting these salary numbers is not make or break whether or not they'll be on the team next year or not. The Orioles have already tendered a contract. They've already guaranteed a contract to all of these guys. But the way arbitration works in between your fourth and sixth years in the big leagues, basically your play the year before determines how much money you make in the next season. And while the Orioles had 17 of those arbitration-eligible players, they agreed to a number with 12 of them, but the other five, they couldn't come to an agreement. And generally, that goes to a third-party person who sees the number that the Orioles selected, sees the number that CNL Perez selected, and basically that third party picks one of those two numbers, and that is how much the player makes in 2024. For CNL Perez, he had filed and thought he should make $1.4 million next year. The Orioles had filed thinking he makes $1.1 million next year. So it seemed like we were headed for a third party to make that decision. But in between the deadline, which was a couple weeks ago, and the time that they actually go to the hearing, the teams are still able to make a deal with the player. And it seems like that is what happened. So it looks like they came to an agreement somewhere in between those numbers, and Perez will make somewhere around $1.2 or $1.3 million in 2024. And he deserves it. Like, it was a bad first half for CNL Perez last year, right? He came off the incredible sub-2 ERA breakout 2022 season as one of the best relievers in the Orioles' bullpen. And... I talked about it a lot on this podcast last offseason. Perez was due for some regression. He got a lot of good batted ball luck in 2022, and that is what happened in the first half last year. More hard-hit balls, more hits allowed, more runs allowed. It wasn't good. But in the second half, when the Orioles needed him and needed another reliable bullpen arm, Perez pulled it all back together. He had those, I believe it was 26 consecutive scoreless appearances at some point between kind of July, August, and September at the end of the season. He became like a backup closing option when Felix Bautista went down late in the year. Perez was huge down the stretch for the Orioles bullpen. And so now he will make, you know, somewhere around $1.2, $1.3 million next year. But again, this does not 
change how much team control he has. And even though the Orioles also tacked on a club option for 2025 to this arbitration agreement. Now, this is a little in the weeds of baseball contracts, but this is just how a lot of this stuff works. So Cienor Perez, in general, is in contract with the Orioles until after the 2026 season. So he still has three years of team control remaining, 2024, 25, and 26. And this was his first year hitting arbitration. Now, what you can do with these arbitration deals is basically come to multi-year agreements, but they are not contract extensions. Through arbitration, the Orioles would every offseason have to figure out Perez's 2024 salary. Then next offseason, they'd have to figure out his 25 salary. And then the offseason after that, they'd have to figure out his 26 salary before he then hit free agency after the 2026 season. But something you can do is you can just agree on those future salaries now. We know he's under contract no matter what, but you can agree on what those numbers are now instead of waiting until a year later to go year by year on those numbers. So that's kind of what the O's did here. They agreed on the number for 2024, and there is a club option for 2025. Now, we're not sure exactly what that number would be on that option for what he would make, but you have to think it's probably somewhere between $1.5 and $2 million for 2025 for CNL Perez. And basically the reason they do this, again, this doesn't extend him. He's still also under contract in 2026 and then still becomes a free agent after that. But what this does is allows the Orioles to keep his salary down if he has a really good breakout year and has a similar year to 2022, once again in 2024. Because here's how the O's look at it with a club option. If he is bad in 2024, but not bad enough to get DFA, just kind of have a, has a rough year and is still on the roster at this point next year, the O's can decline that club option. But declining the club option does not make him a free agent because it's an arbitration club option. So they could decline the option, just go to arbitration like they usually would, and he would probably make a number very similar to what he made this time, about $1.2 million. But if he's good, say he's really, really good, and he's so good that he you know, maybe becomes worth like 3 or $4 million because he had such a good year, well, the Orioles just agreed to a club option where he only makes, you know, say, $1.5 million for next year. And so if he's good, the Orioles accept the club option and they just pay him that $1.5 million, even though he would have gotten 2 or $3 million in arbitration because he was so good. Essentially, it's a creative way to get some security right now for the player but also, most likely, save the Orioles five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars or something in the long run. Does it seem kind of petty and cheap? Yeah. Is it the most petty and cheap thing the Orioles do? No. It kind of is what it is at this point, but CNL Perez may have his salary locked in for the next two years, and the Orioles found another way to save just a little bit of money because John Angelos refuses to pay anyone. But that means the Orioles have four arbitration-eligible players left who have not agreed to a contract. They are Austin Hayes, they are Ryan O'Hearn, Danny Coulomb, and Jacob Webb are the four players. Again, those guys are still under contract for 2024 either way. They just haven't agreed to what their contract and salary number will be. And it seems like for these four guys, they could be heading to an arbitration hearing where, again, a third party will make the decision. But at those hearings, things get contentious. It's basically the team sends representatives, the player sends a representative, and the team is basically there to break the player down and talk about what things they're bad at and why they don't deserve that higher salary number. It causes a wedge between a team and a player a lot of times, so you always like to avoid these conversations, which is why it's nice that CNL Perez has avoided it. Hopefully it doesn't come to that for those four players, but it could, and we'll have that covered when the time does come. 
But that's kind of the Orioles news and notes from the week. But there is one pitcher in James Paxton who the O's have been connected to in free agency, and he signed a contract on Monday night. Unfortunately, it was not with the Orioles. So we'll talk about where he signed, how much he signed for, and what that says about what the Orioles are going to do with the rest of their offseason. So one of the many targets that the Orioles have had in free agency and in trades uh, among starting pitchers this offseason has been James Paxton. And I talked about Paxton on an episode last week after he was rumored to be connected to the Orioles by John Heyman and just talked about how, you know, yeah, James Paxton had a lot of injury issues and the Tommy John surgeries and came back from it last year and only threw 95 innings for the Red Sox last year coming back from injury and he wasn't great. But at times he showed flashes of the old Seattle Mariners through a no-hitter, great seasons, great stuff, James Paxton. And you know, he's only 33 years old and I think he still has stuff left in the tank and it looked like he'd be getting a fairly cheap one-year deal. I just thought, you know what? If the Orioles do go and get James Paxton, it's not the worst move in the world. It makes them better. He definitely becomes one of their five starters. If he does get hurt again, then you have guys like Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin waiting in the wings to take over for some of those innings. I was for it. It wouldn't have been one of the worst moves in the world. I did say he'd be a perfect pairing where you go get a top-of-the-rotation guy like Dylan Cease, and then you also get James Paxton to fill in at the bottom, and you're feeling really good about your rotation. But James Paxton signed elsewhere, and you can't blame him too much. It's not official yet, as I record here on Tuesday morning, but it seems as if Paxton is signing a one-year, $12 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers are basically signing everybody this offseason, so you can't blame Paxton at all for wanting to go to the Dodgers, right? Even though they've brought in Yamamoto, and even though they brought in Otani, and even though they brought in Teoscar Hernandez, and they still had an amazing roster just coming into the offseason before all those moves, the Dodgers still needed pitching. Walker Bueller's coming back from Tommy John. They're not sure what they're going to potentially get out of him. They did acquire Tyler Glass now and Yamamoto, but Clayton Kershaw is still a free agent. And even if they re-sign him, he's not going to be ready till after the All-Star break. And Julio Arias should not be pitching in Major League Baseball ever again. So you had a lot of openings in this Dodgers rotation. And James Paxton is a nice veteran to fill it for the Dodgers. And you can't blame Paxton for, you know, he's pitched on the West Coast a lot in his career in Seattle and wanting to pitch for a team that looks like it's going to be coming into opening day, like the clear favorite in the majors to win the World Series in 2024. And he's still going to be able to throw some innings. And Dodgers pitching development at the major league level has been incredible over the last few years. And he probably thinks the Dodgers can, you know, can not only win there, but they can make him better. So you can't blame James Paxton for that. But when you're thinking about the price there, one year and $12 million, that should certainly be in the Orioles' price range. Not only should it be, we know it is because they've already signed Craig Kimbrell for one year and $13 million earlier this offseason. And Kimbrell, although he might end up in the Hall of Fame as one of the best closers, he's not the same Craig Kimbrell he was 10 years ago. And also, he's a relief pitcher. Like, at best, you're getting 70-ish innings out of Craig Kimbrell. It feels like even if James Paxton gets hurt at worst, you could probably get, unless it's a serious, serious injury, get 100 innings, at least 120 innings out of James Paxton. And although Felix Bautista is out, it still feels like starting pitcher probably more of a need than closer coming into the offseason for the Orioles because they've shown they can put together a good bullpen out of spare parts over the last few years. So if they're giving $13 million out to Craig Kimbrell, you would think if they can get a veteran starter who they somewhat trust and has good stuff, they should be willing to shell out $15, $16, $17, $18 million for a one-year deal if they're giving 13 to Kimbrell. 
And again, it could have just been a part where the Orioles had a very similar offer out to Paxton, and he just chose the Dodgers, and you can't blame him for choosing the Dodgers. But it just, to me, says, okay, you're not going to sign James Paxton. You're not going to outbid the Dodgers by 4 or $5 million to get him. It's cheaper than Kimbrell. Maybe they're not going to do anything. And again, we've still got, you know, a few weeks before pitchers and catchers report, and we've still got two months until opening day, and there's still plenty of time. The Orioles do need to add at least one starting pitcher before this is all over. But are they really going to do it? Like, the free agents are dwindling. The guys that are in the O's price range, which is sadly guys that are willing to take one-year deals. I mean, you still have the Hunjin Ryus and the Michael Lorenzens of the world out there that the Orioles could go after. But Paxton seemed like a really good fit and a guy with a high upside. And he's gone, too, for a very, very cheap and Orioles-affordable contract. And hopefully the O's are still, you know, hard in on this trade market, looking at Cease, looking at Lazardo, looking at others that are available around the league. They have the prospects to do it, but it still hasn't been done. And I get it, the prices are too high, but James Paxton's the guy where the price is not too high at all. And I could be reading a little too much into the Orioles not signing James Paxton, but they were connected to him. He's in their price range and a guy that would help him get better. I have said throughout the offseason that no matter what, whether it's a one-year deal for a veteran or it's a big-time trade for an ace, I felt like no matter what, the Orioles were going to add at least one starting pitcher at some point in the offseason. We're here at January 23rd. I'm starting to change that a little bit. I'm thinking more and more that, unfortunately, there's a chance to a good chance the Orioles just don't add a starter. And they go in with the Rodriguez and Bradish and Means and Kramer and then Tyler Wells slash Cole Irvin as the number five starter with not really much depth at all left behind those guys and just go into the season like that. I don't want them to do that, but all signs continue to point that way. Hopefully, it's just because the O's are laser focused on the trade market and something will happen there moving forward. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later this week on the pod. Arm Layton of Just Baseball Media is going to join us later this week for two different episodes. One we're talking Orioles-Marlins trades. Jesus Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, a couple of guys the O's could go after in the Marlins rotation. What would it take to get them? We'll dice up and chop up some mock trades with Aram. And then we'll also talk Orioles system. Who are the best players in this Orioles minor league system behind Jackson Holiday? Who are some of the sleepers? And how can the O's continue to be the top minor league system in baseball? That's coming up later in the week on the pod. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.